Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast that explores mental health, especially for folks of color. I'm your host, Jonzel Anderson. I'm a licensed therapist and owner of Panoramic Counseling in Richmond, Virginia. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Hello, everyone. I am excited to share a conversation that I had with my accountant, Rose Thomas, CPA, and that stands for Certified Public Accountant. We talked about the intersection between our mental health and our finances and vice versa. And I actually had some of the people who listen to this podcast send in some questions for Rose, and I intermingled those throughout the interview. So um, you're going to hear some specific information about uh, how finances are looked at in the Black community, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. First of all, you're Black. Second of all, you have green glasses, as do I. Um, So really, black and green glasses is my main criteria. But what really struck me is that you're specialized in helping therapists do their accounting. So we're going to get more into that later. But I'm so glad that I found you. I've learned so much from you already. And for the listeners of this episode, the focus is going to be on the intersection of mental health and money, because, you know, a lot of people are confused about money and life is very expensive, keeps getting more expensive. And if you don't know how to manage your money, you can be under a lot of stress. Your money can impact your mental health. Whoever said money can't buy you happiness is a goddamn Mm -hmm. liar because when my bills are paid, not to say that money itself provides the happiness, but when I am taken care of and when things are in order, I have better mental health. I don't know where that saying came from. And I will also say that we're going to be focusing a little bit more on communities of color because I've talked on this podcast. I've written about this before. There's, you know, myriad books and stuff like that. But Black people don't have a good track record of generational wealth. And if we go back just a few hundred years, we see that it's because of enslavement, right? So when you have this country that is built upon capitalism, capitalism is built upon the enslavement of certain people, and then emancipation, and then you're basically figure it out in a system that wasn't built for you to thrive. We see remnants of that today. So we have Black people who don't have an inheritance to start out with, as our non-melanated counterparts might have, you know? So figuring out money is even more important for us because oftentimes people find themselves in a situation of, I need to build a legacy. I need to figure out how to build generational wealth when there was none to start with. And there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of bad information out there. So Rose, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to be an accountant. Okay. So um, young girl living in the South, Georgia, Alabama, grew up in Alabama. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur and I helped him uh, in like gathering his receipts, putting them in the time rubber band, you know, mm-hmm. sorting them, taking them to the men right down the street who had an office in his backyard and people would be sitting up, lined up in little uh, metal chairs waiting to meet with him. And I just thought that was like so cool. <laughs> that was the only account I ever had or ever saw. Didn't even know what an accountant was. I just knew he was the tax man, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I got ready to go to college and I kind of noticed my dad kind of struggle a little bit. I said, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to come back and I'm going to help him. 
So we got to college, and of course, there's this whole brand new world of accounting. Like, oh, there's auditors, there are people working at COVID. Like, this is a real thing. So, okay, then I want, I said, I need some credentials behind my name. What, what can I get so I can be a CPA? And I thought that was going to be very credible. It, it does, it does, but that was kind of like the thinking. Never did get a chance to help work with my dad because he became ill and, you know, um, didn't, uh, you know, see this business. But I also always had in the back of my mind that I needed to help some small businesses in one way or another. So, you know, just went through life, um, working as an auditor and corporate accounting, and then ran into friends, started talking with friends who are mental health therapists. And they mm-hmm. always talked about, oh, my God, they didn't teach us about this stuff in college, or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know about running business. I want to deal with this. I want Hmm. Okay, <laughs> maybe this is a niche that I could, you know, focus on. It's a small business like other small businesses, but when you um, happen to like a certain sector or group, then you get to know what's going on in that industry and you provide more value, I think. And because you know what other people are doing, you can kind of share that information around and make sure that everybody is thriving and everybody's doing what's good for their business. So that's how I ended up working with therapists because of my friends. <laughs> so I imagine as you started getting in the niche of working with therapists, it was like, well, therapists just want to be therapists. We just want to see our clients. We just want to help people and, you know, all of that. We damn sure didn't learn in school anything about running a business. We just learned how to help people, you know? And so in order to be able to help people effectively, you have to make sure that the business is running properly because you can, you can have all of this insight to give, you can have all these degrees, you can do all of this, but if if you can't take care of yourself as a therapist, you can't take care of other people. And so you delegate some things to people who know better. I want to help my clients. I don't, I don't want to learn tax code and all of that stuff. So having a person that you can trust who knows what they're doing is is very helpful. But I think something that everyone can relate to is that it, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a person who works a nine to five job with the W-2 and things like that, everyone gets to tax season and we're just sitting here confused. Something I heard from a previous accountant is that they call it a tax code for a reason. It's not designed to be easily understood by people. You think about it, the government has all of our information. Everything is pretty trackable, yet at the at tax season, it's like you get all of your information together and you tell us what you think you owe us. And if you're wrong, you're in trouble. Right. Because they already know. They know. That's why we need people who know what they're doing to help us to take that stress off of us. So my next question is, what are some of the services that an accountant can offer a person? Because it's not just about getting your taxes done. There's more to it than that. Right. So that's in, when you learn to play the game, I guess you could say, um, you, you get a, an accountant who can help advise you. So a lot of people think about tax preparation, but it's more about the planning. You just need to do things on the front end before you get the taxes done. When you're ready to get taxes done, it's, it's over. I mean, you really don't have an opportunity to make changes that's going to affect your liability, reduce your taxes. Um, so it, you should start out in the beginning of the year, the first thing you should do is sit down with your accountant and just let's talk about, let's strategize, let's determine what's going to help me uh, pay the least amount of taxes that I have to pay. Uh, so that's where a lot of people 
miss out in using the services of an accountant. They just go straight to here, here, prepare my stuff. So it really doesn't work that way. And then there are different phases of what an accountant can do for you. They can do bookkeeping, which is all the transactional stuff, doing invoices, recording your receipts, and just everything bank-related. But then there's the accountant who actually does a financial statement for you and can help analyze and determine how that's affecting you. So you can see what your profit and loss, um, what that looks like at the end of the, you know, before the end of the year. You don't want to get to the end of the year and like, oh, I only made X number dollars. No, you should have known all. You should always know what's happening. What's going on. And you wait, it's too late to correct. Um, maybe you spent too much money on that software or on those that equipment, you could have mm-hmm. adjusted and been in a better position for yourself when it comes to profit. And, you know, an accountant can also help be like a financial advisor for you to help mm-hmm. you manage your money. Make um, sure so you are earning profit. So mm-hmm. that comes with talking on the front end, not on the back end, like, okay, what do we need to do? How do I pay myself? Uh, what do I need to pay myself? And just laying out, this is what I need for my family to survive. Okay, mm-hmm. and let's backtrack that way, not the other way around, not waiting to see what's left. You want to know, this is what I need, so how am I going to get there? So that's mm-hmm. what an accountant can do. Yeah. It's important for people to understand that an accountant and financial services isn't just to make it through tax season, but it's like, you don't have to be stressed at tax season. You know that, what was that? thing that people say like if you stay ready you don't have to get ready kind of thing so it's like tax season is stressful for people oftentimes because they weren't prepared it's a Mm -hmm. mad dash to gather all the receipts and you know get it together and hope for the best that you don't owe too much money or that you paid enough money and this and that but having systems in place and this is applicable to anybody you know if you know how much money you're going to make and there's all sorts of just things that you wouldn't know uh just going through your life uh working your job and paying your bills that you could be doing that you're going to spend money on anyway that you can do a certain way to reduce how much you're paying the government and when you go into entrepreneurship, or even if you're just, if you have a side hustle, or you're just doing something to try to increase like streams of income, what you run into is if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get taxed incredibly heavily, because a lot of people will go into like a, a sole proprietorship or something, and they end up just you're going to give a lot of money to when tax, when tax season comes, you're going to, and if you're not prepared, from the front end, mm-hmm. it's just a mess, right? And then you're like, oh, well, I don't know if this is even worth it, right? But that's when you get, if you know, if you are teamed up with people who know what they're doing, they can be like, okay, make sure to keep your receipts for this. You can write this, 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 and this off. And then it's like, oh, wait a second, I, I'm going to pay for these things anyway. And now it's a, it's a business thing. And it's not about getting over on the government. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. as a Black person, I'm like, if I can avoid giving money to a government that quite frankly doesn't give a fuck about me, I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. And also I joke with people. I'm like, my tax write-offs are the closest things I'm ever going to get to reparations. I want to keep as much of my money that I 
earn as possible. And I think that is the first step to building wealth because I I did not have an inheritance. Nobody before all of the 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 influence that I have growing up, all I knew about was maxed out credit cards and car repossessions and just, you know, scraping and surviving, you know. And so I I don't have a blueprint. And so as much as I, you know, I have a master's degree in counseling, I don't have a uh, advanced degree in accounting or how to manage money, right? And I've I've been money savvy because I've seen what went wrong with other people's stuff, but I still don't mm-hmm. know the ins and outs. So I think you know, like you said, an a, an accountant is also someone can help you, uh, like a financial planner, right? Because there's certain right. things. It's just like, well, you're going to do this anyway. You're going to pay for childcare. You're going to pay for health insurance, you're going to do these different things. How can we make this work? You know, you can wrap those things around (laughs) business activity and that's a write-off, you know, you just have to make them correctly. Yes. And do it correctly so that in the event that someone wants to check over what you did, Mm -hmm. you have your receipts, you have everything and you can feel confident at, and, and also just if anything, not being stressed about your taxes and not being stressed about, is somebody going to uh, come for me, you know? And, and I, I want to go back to that, that point about, it's not just about avoiding taxes. Cause some people are like, Oh, if you don't pay your taxes, that impacts everybody as a whole and all of that. The, we're talking about everyday people here. We're not talking about like, cause here's the thing, corporations like Amazon, they don't pay taxes. They make crazy stupid money but they they use the rules and things like that to advantage them and also Mm -hmm. because they work that way they exploit people but that's neither here nor there but we as uh, individual people who just are living everyday lives we don't have we're we're not going to completely be tax-free because it's not set up for us to win that way but we can be smart and we can learn how this really complicated broken system works so that we at least aren't, we can keep more of our money. We can, you know, if we work hard, we can have the fruits of our labor as much as possible. So I think that's what financial education services, advising, all of that. I think that's what it allows. And I think it's worth every penny. So based on, what you've seen. So we're going a little bit more um, uh, detailed here. Um, So you specialize in working with therapists and their financial outlook and stuff like that. But based on what you've seen, do you think there's like a correlation between uh, financial success and having good mental health? I would say yes. Now, of course, I'm not a therapist, but I know that having enough money uh, can relieve the stress and you're not worried about what's going to happen, what's coming next. Although having a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to have good health, good mental health, but mm-hmm. it definitely um, can give you that stability that you need that is going to help you throughout the rest of your life you're with your self-care, with you being involved with the community and making everything um, as well as you can for your family. And therefore, you're not stressed and you're not worried about it. So, you know, so having finances in order, I think it does definitely help with the mental health. Okay, very good. So we're debunking that that lie that goes around so much and people say money can't buy you happiness. No, 
having a huge bank account doesn't necessarily like make you happy. However, not being afraid on the first of the month of being evicted or not being afraid that when you do your taxes, you're going to get this huge bill that you can't afford or not being afraid that if you go on vacation, you're not going to be able to retire or something like that. Like those sorts of Mm -hmm. things. It's just that peace of mind. And you have to live with your, your thoughts and everything every day. So if you can, like you said, prepare, if you can have Mm -hmm. systems in place and you can be chipping away at Mm -hmm. making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do, then you can kind of rest easy knowing that you're going to be okay. Even if things are tight sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So again, I know we know you're not a therapist, but you work with a lot of therapists. So thinking of it this way, how does an accountant handle a client's anxiety or stress about things like investing, budgeting, or financial planning? Uh, It basically comes down to explaining things in steps, in small pieces, small bites and making it as simple as possible. And even if it takes a while, continue to explain until they get it. Um, And also, it's just kind of like listening and understanding, try to figure out why they are fearful about money. Uh, A lot of times, it may not even be about money. It might, it could be something totally different, but I'm not a therapist, but (laughs) I might be able to find out what that is and be able to help them move past whatever that money block is that they, that they have. Uh, and then just also um, reminding the clients that there's always ups and downs uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to money uh, and that because you're down now doesn't mean it's not going to come back around. If you look um, stock market for years, it all, you know, big drops and might take a while for it to come back, but it's going to come back. It's just how mm-hmm. long will it take. You just have to be comfortable and okay with that fact, knowing that it will turn around for you. And then I guess this, uh, for me, being patient and listening to their questions and making sure that I can give them the best answers that I can. And if there's something that I'm not familiar with, that mm-hmm. I go back for research and come back to them and help them understand what I've learned. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like it. You know, what I do and what I think uh, helps the client to release some of that stress. Very good. And people who listen to my podcast or know me, they know I, I have an anxiety disorder. So I I run anxious on a day-to-day basis anyway. So one of my biggest ways to cope with uncertainty, which is a lot of where the anxiety comes from, is controlling what I can control, right? Like, like you said, things like the stock market and how much money you're going to make, especially if you're self-employed or, you know, just there's so much, or even if you're in a nine to five job with a stable salary, you really don't have a hundred percent certainty that something will go wrong and that you won't get laid off or something like that. So we live with uncertainty regardless of what's going on, but be that that preparation and being able to have somebody who knows and has experience to being like, okay, well, it's been down before and then it comes back up or just someone to even if you're doing everything right, which, you know, uh, Rose is my accountant. So sometimes I'll do a check-in, you know, at the end of a quarter or something. And I'm like, okay, well, look at my books so far and everything. Now I'm a, I'm an organized person. Like I, I used to pride myself on like when I would get to tax season, it's like I'm 
handing everything over to the accountant on a silver platter. Like I do all of the, the bookkeeping and the day to day, everything. So, but it's more so for me, that peace of mind of knowing, okay, you're a professional, look at this. And then it's almost like you're doing fine, John, though. But also if I'm not, if there's little things that can be adjusted, being told like, okay, we'll try this, or maybe for the next quarter, do this. It's just like, okay, I'm doing the best I can, but also there's ways to improve things. It just makes me feel empowered. you know. So I, I love that I can be independent, but also have the support as I need it. So... Hey y'all, I'm interrupting this episode to let you know how you can support my podcast, writing, and other creative projects. Head over to the show notes of this episode where you can consider buying me a coffee once or monthly, gift me a book from my wish list, or just leave a nice review to help others find this podcast. I know your time and money is valuable, so thank you in advance for your support. And now let's get back to the show. So thinking about folks of color, I got a question for you. Do you see a difference in how Black men versus Black women view money? I think, uh, let's see, Black women are more um, about taking care of the family. And so they're going to be more careful when it comes to spending Whereas a black man probably looks at money as more of a status symbol. And the more things that they can buy or show to their friends, um, mm-hmm. that's what however, it's not to say that they don't care about their family, they're not concerned or want to make sure that families are um, you know, doing well. It's just that difference in the spending habits, I guess. And, and the woman wants to make sure that everything is gonna be okay all the time for her and her kids and her family, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and then I guess with men, um, you know, well, women tend to avoid debt, I guess, more than mm. men. And the men are more risky uh, for that big payoff when it comes to that. So that's how I see the difference between black men and black women. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said a couple of times, you're like, well, I'm not a therapist. I find myself as a therapist sometimes having, co- I have a lot of conversations with people about money. And I have to remind them, I'm like, I'm not an accountant, you know? And, and so it's like, we, we know our limitations, but we get to, you know, you work with people and their money, but you are exposed to kind of the emotional, the mental health, the social side of things. Whereas I'm more on the mental health, you know, side of things, but uh, I mean, the biggest stressor, I mean, it's not a secret that the biggest reason that people get divorced is because of money. So when I do couples counseling, almost all the time, there's issues with money, right? And I think a, a foundation of money is that people don't talk about it. People are afraid of it. Um, and I think what you said about some of the, obviously, you know, there's when you say like, oh, black men, black or black women, it's not a definite, like everyone is this way. Uh, and I have more specific questions about that. But the, you know, what I said earlier is that I think a lot of black people are really tapped into the fact that we're not on the same playing field as non-melanated people because of how mm-hmm. the history of this country is, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes I'll see people like you said, wanting the status symbol, wanting to look wealthy, wanting to look secure and all of that without really 
the preparation behind it to sustain it. In the words of the wonderful Miss Lauren Hill, she said, it it ain't about what you cop, it's about what you keep. Right. So I see a lot of people who look wealthy, they look rich, but the thing is, cars, houses, jewelry, all of that stuff is, people say, oh, I'm making an investment. You're not. It's a thing that's going to break down. It's something that's not going to last forever, right? And so I think it's, but it's a balance. You said between like black women and black men and some of those differences, you can have some status symbols. You can, you can attain things that enhance your quality of life. There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're not advocating for people to just live like they're poor and not enjoy anything. But also you want them to have that frugal side, that savviness, the preparation, the make sure the family's taken care of and all of that. And we have to find the happy medium between that. And oftentimes, some, a lot of times people go to extremes um, and the extremes could be, you know, not spending anything or spending everything or spending more than what you actually have, which quite Mm -hmm. frankly, I'm hearing a lot of in my work as a therapist. And that's where the mental health comes in. I mean, I've got people it seems like an average, like when people are really talking about credit card debt, it's not like, it's like, Oh, a couple hundred dollars. It's like, yeah, $28, $35,000. And I'm, I keep it real with people. I'm like, God damn, that's a car. That's, you know, and, and, and then it's like, okay, that's a, that's a lot. And so it comes back to, okay, well, how, and that doesn't just happen because people are bad people. It's because they don't know about money. They don't know how to use it. And also, again, we live in a capitalist society that will beat it over your head every which way. Everything is advertising these days. And it tells you, you need to consume. You need to get the newest. You need to, you need to keep up. You need to, you need this, you need that, you need this. And the, the needs are blurred with the wants. And people get themselves in situations. So I think having knowledge and education about how to prepare is mm-hmm. key. And I think talking about that mental health piece, one of the things I tell my clients all the time is when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So mm-hmm. emotions are high, say you feel like your car isn't good enough. So you go get something to compete with everybody else, or you feel like your job or the city you live in is you know, not as impressive as other people. So you, you make these small changes because your emotions are high. You feel like you're inadequate or you feel like you're missing out or something like that. Well, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So you may not make the best decision. You might get that car on a crazy interest rate, or, you know, you might move somewhere and think that you're, you know, making more money, but the cost of living is higher or something like that. And it's really about balancing emotions and information. And I think that's financial planning can really help you with that. It's like, am I doing this out of impulse or am I doing this because this is a step and this is something that is feasible for me? And a lot of people get that twisted. And that's why like the average American credit card debt is like stupid high and you can't build wealth if you owe people money. Right. And that kind of leads into financial literacy too. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you think about men, women and the different, um, you know, 
age differences or generations, mm-hmm. um, women, I guess, tend to be more proactive in seeking financial information and education uh, because they feel like that's going to make them, they feel more secure when they know more. Um, whereas you have the older people like myself, <laughs> probably not as literate when it comes to finance because we didn't have the access that there is now on in the education or about financial mm-hmm. uh, education literacy. Although I do say that we do, we are very open to learning when new things are presented and take advantage of them when, you know, when it's there and when it makes sense. Uh, and then when you talk about our younger people, very highly motivated, interested and all that, but they kind of lack that uh, basic fundamental money management skills. Uh, although mm-hmm. they're when it comes to these digital products that we have and digital tools. So they're open to learning as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just that difference between the different generations on how um, we all learn about finances and what we think about it. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I think understanding the, the generational differences is important because not everybody, you know, even listening to this episode is in the same place, in the same box, in the same mm-hmm. background, you know, but I think we can all agree that money is, uh, it's a tool, it is, it can be complicated, it can be emotional, it can be scary, it can be exciting, all of these things at the same time. More specifically about women now, how are women protecting their finances? And I want to, I want you to focus specifically on like uh, clients you work with who are like single parents, like single parent households or who maybe have been divorced. So what, just give some advice on how women can protect their finances. Cause you said about the generational or the, the gender differences, but specifically Mm -hmm. about women, what are some of those, what are some of those differences there? Um, basically, I guess, um, asking for help, asking for, you know, money experts for help when they don't understand. Um, they are creating budgets and they're actually sticking to them. Uh, and this way it helps them to make smart choices and not go out and buy something uh, on credit because they just got to have it. They're really thinking about it and strategizing about what's best for the family. Um, and then when it comes to saving, um, yeah, you might have a goal that you want to save or you want six months of salary set aside, but that doesn't come all at one time. So just, you know, little bits and pieces at a time. Just mm-hmm. take a small bite. You'll eventually get there. It might take you longer than you want, but if you're consistent, you will definitely get there. So that's one thing. It's just setting savings goals and making sure that you're following through and being consistent. Um, just buying what you absolutely need, not things just because you want it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if you buy those things, yes, do not deprive yourself. Enjoy, have fun, but just mm-hmm. be smart about what you do. Um, and then being careful when it comes to taking on debt. Um, it doesn't make sense to go out and get this um six seven hundred dollar car note when uh, a three hundred dollar car note would do just as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So just be smart about those things and um and plan for emergencies. That would be the big mm-hmm. thing. Um setting aside even if it's uh, uh some of the gurus say have a thousand dollar emergency fund that's gonna cover the cost of that car when it breaks down. At least you got it and you gotta worry about mm-hmm. 
oh, that's so different my savings or whatever. Leave the savings alone. Let it sit there. Build it bit by bit. But have that $1,000 emergency fund sitting there for whatever comes along. And then, hey, you might not can do that today either. Set aside $20, $50 here and just build it up. And as long as you've got that little, that gives you some uh, financial comfort, I guess you could say, yes. knowing that you do have something if something tragic happens. Yeah. Earlier this year, I had a, a system in place to where I was putting a little bit away each week to an emergency fund. And literally, I checked the savings account one day and I was like, oh, wow, I have over $1,000 in there. And I've just been putting money in, you know, $50 a week or something like that. And the, the same day that I looked at the account and I thought to myself, ah, my emergency fund is getting where it needs to go. A thunderstorm happened and a big ass tree branch hit my house. And I shit you not, it was literally right outside the window. I was doing a therapy session while it happened. It's just like this loud boom. It caused specifically just enough damage over my um, home insurance deductible to where that thousand, the, the money I had in my savings account went whoop. And it, when you say a re- it was nicknamed, the account was nicknamed Rainy Day Fund. Okay. The universe <laughs> is a cruel bitch because it was literally a rainy day that took all of my money. But I had the money to get my the part of my roof fixed and to get that giant tree branch taken out of my yard. And had I not prepared, I would have had to put it on a credit card, which then would have and caused would, me stress. Stressed about it. Yeah. You would have been stressed about it. So, you know, yeah. you had it available. So that's why you need that small emergency fund just for things like that. You use your emergency fund for an emergency. It's not like, oh, the new Jordans are coming out and I really want them. So let me dip into my emergency. This is not an emergency, right? Uh, An emergency is a tree fell on my house and I would like to not have water inside of my house kind of thing. So let me, let me fix what I need to fix. And so since then, I think I prefer the stress of okay, all of my savings are gone, but the thing was taken care of, but I had the system in place. So now I'm putting $50 a week back into that and it's building back up Mm -hmm. again. And I'd rather have the stress of, oh, I have to build a savings again, as opposed to the stress of something has happened, I can't afford it, it's on a credit card and they're charging me 26% interest every year to cover that. You know, I'd rather use my own money and not have to be penalized for needing something than to do it the other way around. So preparation is so important. Quite frankly, that that three to six months of income thing is a goal that I think if you chip away at, you can achieve. It's it's just the diligence and like what you said before, the consistency. Consistency mm-hmm. is so incredibly important, whether it's managing your money, whether it's running a business, whether it's just achieving any sort of goal that you might have, that's very universal. But consistency gets stuff done. And I think if you're living in an impulsive, just in the moment type of thing, you can't be consistent. And the bills will pile up very quickly. So consistency is so, so incredibly important. So thank you so much for your time. I want to wrap up with one more question. Okay. Managing money, as I've said, and building wealth are scary and confusing for a lot of people. What final words of advice would you give somebody listening to this episode? Uh, Maybe they find themselves overwhelmed about their finances. Like, What is just 
something I haven't asked about or something that hasn't been talked about that, what, what advice would you give as like a takeaway? Hey, don't feel bad about not knowing about money stuff. Um, nobody's an expert at the beginning. It takes learning. Um, like you said, read one finance book a year or something. Um, always out there looking for free classes you can uh, just mm-hmm. to help you understand more about finances. Um, and like we were talking about, just focusing on small goals um, mm-hmm. and then you know, keep moving. Just keep moving. Um, find yourself a money mentor, someone who you feel you may not know for real, but who looks like they have it all together, who might be able to give you some advice and help you move towards things that you're looking to move toward. And then um, just make managing your money a habit. Um, set, set aside maybe once a week or once a month for sure. Sit down and look and see what happened. Uh, create your budget. Go through see is there anything that we did that we should not have done or that I need to do next month and so that you're planning and you don't have surprises and you know where your money is going and how it's working for you on a regular basis. Um, and you're not just throwing it away. And then at the end of the month, like, what happened? Where, where did my money go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, because you sat down and you tracked it. So, um, like I, um, one of my friends uses this tracking tool. I think it's called every dollar. Um, mm-hmm. so down with their budget and they plan it out for the month. So you know what's happening. So you can't say, we might not have enough money for whatever it is you're wanting, but at least you know that in advance and you don't go out and do something crazy. And then mm-hmm. now you take buy groceries <laughs> because yeah. you spent all the money. Um, and then, of course, celebrate the small money victories that you have. When you get yes. $100 in your savings account, that's, that's great. You know, be excited about it and um, mm-hmm. tell somebody about it, you know, with your friend or something. Say, hey, I'm, I'm reading, reaching my money goals. So, Mm-hmm. Um, that's important things I would say, and just you know, just steady, consistent progress, one step at a time, small bites at a time. Very good. I know that I've learned so much from you just in having this conversation, and I hope that the people listening feel inspired and also validated that we may not have been given all the answers and the tools and the education and things like that, but you know, you're never so far down that you can't build yourself back up. And even if you're doing really well, you can always do better. I think if you keep an open mind that you can always learn something new and you can always uh, improve or iterate on something, I think that's when we start to see things like people being able to do what they need to do with their money above what they need to survive. And then they have the ability to invest in the next generation or invest in uh, something bigger than themselves. And that's, you know, like building community and stuff like that. So it's the little steps that get to that, that point. So as we wrap up, where can people find you? Because I love you as my accountant, but I want other people to, to know about you and maybe just other things that you're doing or uh, resources or things, services that you provide that they might want to look into. Where where's the best place for people to find you? Sure, they can go to rosethomascpa.com. Um, there you can get. Um, we have this uh, top cheat sheet, kind of gives you some information on some things that you can help. I guess to reduce their tax liability. You also have an opportunity there to join um, my Facebook group if you are a therapist. <laughs> 
Um, and, and if you, even if you are a therapist, you can book a call with me. If you'd like a free call and we can just talk about a few strategies to help you uh, move along your journey. And if it's something um, that maybe we can work together on, we can do that as well. Um, like I said, always go out there, look for reading materials and just mm-hmm. um, be diligent about learning and be excited about wanting to know more about your finances. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I will be sure to put your website in this episode show notes. So if you're listening, uh, definitely look in the show notes so that you can click the link to find out more about Rose and the, the services that she offers. For those listening to this episode, as always, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, you take care of yourself. Bye-bye.